Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams. The heart behind Kindled is to help moms use their gifts for God's glory and their good. We'll chat with real women who are learning how to do this very thing as they navigate motherhood, work, and the grace we need for both. This heart-to-heart is always had over a cup of coffee and usually paired with a business pep talk. We hope you'll find practical advice and the encouragement you need to work well and live more. Hey guys, welcome back to Kindled. It's episode 28, and today I'm talking with Emily Thomas, the host of the Struggle Well Project podcast, formerly known as Mom Struggling Well. Emily and I discuss a lot of stuff today. We talk about what it means to actually struggle well as believers and moms and women in this culture, in our work, in our lives. And I honestly got so excited about what Emily was saying. I nearly took over the interview from her because I was just so excited about the truth that was uh, so evident in what she was saying. Listen to this. God gave us these chinks in our armor or whatever, like the, the areas where we have weakness so that we can give him glory, right? And so if I'm so busy trying to pretend like I'll just put a bow on it so that nobody can see that I have a, a flaw there, that's not helpful for me yeah. or other people. I know you guys are going to love this interview, but before we get to it, I have a little announcement. I mentioned this last week at the end of the show that I would have something for you this week, and I do. I have launched a Patreon page for Kindled for this podcast. If you haven't heard of Patreon, what it is, is essentially a way for people to support artists and creators that they love. So before I go any further, I just want to say, I absolutely love creating this show. I love thinking up the topics that we need to discuss here on the show around work and motherhood. I love finding people to interview and bringing them on the show and talking to them and sharing conversations and just creating content that's going to be encouraging, inspirational, and practical for you every day of your life in the mundane of your life. I've gotten messages from moms who say they're stuck at home with their twins, but they take those babies on a walk and they listen to Kindled in their earbuds and I can't tell you how much it warms my heart to know that people are being encouraged by this show. I have no plans to stop recording. I have no plans to cancel or quit doing the show. So I do want to say that up front. But I also want to say that as my life has gotten busier, my kids get older, they're involved in more activities, and my work continues to kind of grow and change and shift, I had to make some hard decisions about the show that I wouldn't be the one to edit it. And I needed help actually producing the show and making it happen for you guys every single week. And with that has come added expenses and it it costs a little more to keep the lights on around here than it did when I first started back in January. So when I first started, it was pretty cheap. It was just the hosting fees and then my time. But as my time has gotten more scarce, so have the resources to create this show. And therefore, I have, have to spend a little more to actually make it happen. All that to say, if you listen to this show and love it and want to help it stick around, I would ask for you to prayerfully consider supporting Kindled through Patreon. So what that means is going to the Patreon page, selecting a level that you would like to support it at. 
you can do that for as little as $5 a month. Now you guys know that I don't have ads on the show right now, and that may change in the future. But for now, I would rather go this route and allow those who are impacted and encouraged by the show to support it versus interrupting the show and promoting products and just disrupting the flow of the show. So this is step one for me in terms of trying to really offset the cost of producing the show. And for those of you who love it, I hope this will be an easy decision that you will be able to really come alongside me and other women with the ultimate goal of reaching people with the hope and the freedom of the gospel. That is the point here, guys. We are using the platform and the subject matter of work and motherhood to discuss topics that matter to culture and women today, but ultimately with an eternal perspective that points them to Jesus. So if you believe in that mission as much as I do, I would ask you to support us, by us I mean me, on Kindled in producing this show. And you can go to the website at kindledpodcast.com to learn more and view the benefits that you get in supporting us. So depending on the level you choose to support Kindled at, you will get benefits with each tier, starting with 10% off courses and merchandise in my shop, all the way up to a free 30-minute coaching call with me where I can help you with your business and strategy. Okay, that's all I'll say for now. Don't worry, this is not going to become an annoying thing where all you ever hear about is Patreon. I do hope to not have to mention it very often. I will mention it for the next few weeks just to let people in on what is going on over there, but the content and focus of this show will stay the same regardless. And if you can't support us right now, I completely understand. And what's more powerful than money is your prayers for this show, that it would reach women with truth and hope, and that it would speak into their lives where they need to hear the message of grace. Enjoy my conversation with Emily. Thank you, Emily, so much for joining us on Kindle today. I'm so glad to be here. So can you tell our audience, um, for those who don't know who you are, who you are and what you do? Uh, My name is Emily Thomas, and I am trained as a nurse, but right now I have a podcast. So that's kind of what I do. I'm a mom to two kids. Both of them are adopted. I'm hus- I'm a husband. I'm not I'm the wife. <laughs> I'm a wife to a husband. Um he's an engineer, but more social than most engineers. No offense. Right. <laughs> totally. So you said you you have a podcast and that's Mom Struggling Well. Yeah, I just actually rebranded to call to call it the Struggle Well Project. Okay. Because I'm not a parenting expert and nobody comes to me for parenting anything. (laughs) Oh, well, that's, I mean, that's what we were going to talk about today, your parenting advice, right? (laughs) Oh, shoot. Well, let me go try to read a book real quick. (laughs) Anyway, so I love, um, and I felt like when I started the show, it was needed to be about motherhood because I was, I didn't love it. And so I was going, I was doing businesses and things like that to avoid motherhood. Mm -hmm. And so um, God really put it on my heart, like, no, you're going to lean into this role. And so I did. And I've done it for three years, but I felt like a little um, boxed in by, by the mom thing, because I, I, we didn't, I talked to people who weren't moms. We didn't always talk about motherhood. And I think the thing about being a mom podcaster is that sometimes at the end of a day of, of momming, I don't want to listen to more stuff about motherhood, you know? Mm-hmm. And I knew that motherhood was going to come into my podcast no matter what, because I have kids. So we're just going to, we're going to focus on six different ways of struggling well, like in our womanhood, in our humanhood and and motherhood is part of it, but not all of it. Yeah. That's cool. So what are the six ways? Uh, identity, body, 
to like anything encompassing wellness, food, all that family, community, sanctuary, like your home and spirituality, anything you can do with God. So those are the six things that I felt like we could kind of, I don't know. Sometimes I think if we try to like struggle well in all the ways, I just struggle in all the ways. There's too many things. Mm -hmm. So I think if we can kind of a little bit focus on one and and at least go, you know what? I am doing better at community this month Mm -hmm. or whatever. And maybe next month I do, you know, redo my closets or something and I focus on sanctuary or something. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Well, I do want you to get into those, but before you do, I think, you know, when I was thinking about this and thinking like, why is this an appealing concept, the, the idea of struggling well? And I think for me, it's because there is in culture right now, this kind of pull towards like everybody just almost disintegrating any goals or standards at all and just saying, oh my gosh, me too. Like, this is so hard. This sucks. Like, motherhood is so hard. Kind of whatever you do, whatever you do is okay. Like, don't even try. Like, don't even have any standards or goals. And that is, that's really appealing to culture. Like, you can't tell me how to do anything. There's no right and wrong. It's just, there is no absolute truth. Everything is relative. You know, however I do it is fine. However you do it is fine. And there are, there are nuggets of truth in all of the things that I just said, right? There's like little slivers of, of the truth, but it's also being really contorted and twisted into a lie by, by culture, I think. And so all that to say, like why I think struggle well is a very helpful term is because it's admitting that we all are struggling, right? We, of course, like motherhood and life, being a believer in this world, it's all really hard and it is a struggle. But it also has this idea that we can be pursuing something beyond ourselves, outside of ourselves, like a truth bigger than us, a God that, you know, is holding us together and Mm -hmm. this idea that you can do it well. And I, I feel like that is, it's real and authentic and vulnerable without being everyone just like, let's just like sit in the pile of mud together and not do anything about it, you know, not go anywhere. Like, like that, does that make sense? I feel like that's kind of how I feel about it. Have you taken the Enneagram? I'm sure you've been asked that. I'm a one. Okay. I didn't even have to take it, (laughs) but I did, (laughs) but I'm a one. (laughs) That's awesome. What are you? A three. Okay. I don't really know any threes. How interesting. Yeah. Yes. What's your deal as a three? I am an achiever, so I, it, nothing, like nothing kind of identify with you just like nothing is ever enough. Like as soon as I get one thing done, I'm like, I can't celebrate or enjoy the fact that I accomplished something. I'm just on the, okay, what's next? All right. You know, great. But here, what now we have this new thing. Like my husband hates it because with house projects, like I can't even enjoy, (laughs) I can't even enjoy when we get one thing done. Cause I'm like, okay, cool. Now this, you know, and so um, actually it's interesting because the Enneagram was a huge catalyst for me even starting this podcast because I didn't know anything about it, never taken it. And in January, my church had a leadership retreat and we used to lead a small group. And so we went to this and it was all about basically how to like understand yourself and others and then relate like better in your relationships based on kind of understanding where people are coming from. And yeah. So with your marriage or with your small group members and all of that, with with church leadership and all that, and they were like, we're going to say a lot of things this weekend. It was like a two-day deal. And they were like, you cannot absorb all of it, but we want you to find your one thing. What's your one thing you can take away? And the one thing for me was really something that I heard the Holy Spirit say was, I am not my work. Hmm. And that became the eye-opener for me that I had been making myself only my work. I was I was only as good as whatever I was producing, you know? 
Mm-hmm. I am only as good as whatever I achieve or whatever I do. And, and so really like coming to hear that and understand that and believe that changed kind of everything about the way I was like doing work. Cause work is a big deal for me. I love, like I've always been entrepreneurial. I love, I love working, but it had become an idol in the sense that I thought I had to just do whatever I was best at, even if I hated it. And so I was like growing a business that I didn't love. And that's why I came to sell it, you know, and doing things just because I was good at it because I was achieving, but I wasn't necessarily like, this is not aligning with what I want to be doing or what I'm passionate about. Um, And that's kind of where, when I allowed myself to realize that and consider that to be true, then it freed me up to consider, well, what could, what do I really want to be doing? Like, what did God actually, what is in my heart that I like long to share with people or long to, you know, have discussions around? Um, and it, it surely wasn't bridal accessories. So imagine. Yeah. Shocking. <laughs> so anyways, long story, it. but, but it is for some people, you know, bridal accessories are yeah what they love, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just gets them going, but yeah, not me. I think like we were talking earlier about the Enneagram and I'm a one. And so I'm really into perfection, which is, I used to think that's so cool that I try so hard and I want to do so well. That's really dumb. It's pointless. Like it's not a possibility. So I strive for something that I can never achieve and it's kind of maddening. So for me to even admit that I'm struggling was really, really hard. Mm -hmm. But on top of that, Um, I tend to be depressive and I tend towards some issues with that. Like I'm on medication, I'm in counseling and all that kind of stuff. I also, that's, that's nothing that I want to admit being a a Christian, be a perfectionist. I need those to not be part of my story, but they are part of my story. And so how can we do the best we can with what we're given instead of really trying to cover it up and pretend like it's not a thing? That's not healthy. That's not helpful. Yeah. And God gave us these kind of chinks in our armor or whatever, like the, the areas where we have weakness so that we can give him glory. Right. And so if I'm so busy trying to pretend like I'll just put a bow on it so that nobody can see that I have a, a flaw there, that's not helpful for me or other people. No, not at all. And I, I completely like identify with that because I think those chinks in the armor are those like holes in the fabric of what you feel like are your perfect, beautiful tapestry of your life that you're trying to maintain for everybody is where the devil really has the most opportunity to get in and kind of tear us apart from the inside out. But it's also like, I just had this visual that it's also where the light comes in. You know, it's also where those are the biggest opportunities for us to grow and to be encouraged by the truth of the gospel that Mm-hmm. It isn't about having the perfect tapestry and that that we were given that hole for a reason or that that what appears to us to be an error or a flaw or not enoughness or a kid that doesn't obey or a mouthy four-year-old like I have right now. You just are like kind of like if it was just this one thing, if it was just this one little thing that I could then I could manage my life, then I'd be better, then I'd be okay. Um, and that's exactly what Christ doesn't want us to do or have, you know, he doesn't want us Mm -hmm. to be okay without him. Like he doesn't want us to be all perfect. Like that isn't like, he wants us to realize that Jesus was perfect. We're not the ones who are supposed to be perfect. Yeah. I feel like, um, I'm taking over your podcast here, but I just, this concept is really speaking to me today. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Great. No, it's great. So what do you, what do you kind of talk about on your show? So you kind of covered these six areas, right? Yeah. You know, and again, um, I wish I had a boss who told me what to do and when to do it. But since I am the boss, I don't exactly know how this is going to work out. Um, But I typically in the past, I would interview 
a mom or whoever I felt like would bless a mom about a topic, their book, their ministry, or their story. They don't even have to have like something they're doing online or whatever. But then I also started doing problem solved with my friend, Rebecca, who started Better Life Bags. And we just solve people's problems. We do not know what we're talking about, but moms write in and tell us like, how do I do this? And I'm worried. And so we say stupid things and laugh at each other and whatever. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to be one of the shows every month. And then I brought in my sister and we kind of do research and, and stuff and like talk about topics like that. So, so I'm kind of trying to bring in all that. I'd sometimes just do devos that are just me called mm-hmm. just M creatively named just M. Um, and so I don't, I don't really know. I I'm having a hard time figuring out how to make all the interviews and everything kind of be in the one topic. Cause again, mm-hmm. I'm a perfectionist. So I thought once a month we have one topic and everything's under that topic, but it's a little bit more like hurting cats. Like I can't seem to get everything to line yeah. up yet. Yeah. So I don't exactly know. Okay. So that's fine. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. You're working it out. Working it out, man. That's cool. So can you go over what those six areas are again and kind of what mm-hmm. your like what it means to struggle well in each of those areas? I don't know. Would that be a good way to go to attack yeah. this or here's the deal is I feel like I have no business doing this podcast. I feel like I have I'm not really often struggling well. I I feel like I'm just struggling, right? And so I think yeah. that I don't know. I I think that if in some ways, if I felt like I was equipped to do this and for whatever God's turned it into, I would be really prideful, I guess. But I mm-hmm. I honestly second guess myself. I mean, I I want to quit the show like once a month and I've been doing it for three years, you know, um, but then I get a picture of someone who's like, I got baptized because I heard the gospel on your show or I, you know, all, I was, I was going to kill myself. Things like this. You're like, okay, Lord, I don't understand why you picked me. I mean, cause he gave me the title. He gave me, I mean, all the things that he did. And so I'm doing it even though struggling well as a name attached to me seems like it seems like I know what I'm doing, but I don't. Mm. Yeah. I want to encourage you in that, that like, that is how you know you're where you should be, you know, like when you are effective for the kingdom, of course, you're going to be hearing things like you should quit. This is too hard. It's not worth it. It doesn't mean to say if you decide, hey, this is too much for me and my family and I got to lay it aside. Okay. Right. You know, there's grace for you to make that choice. So it's okay. But at the yeah. same point, you know, you kind of know the difference when it's like a, a fear-based, like, I don't think I have what it takes to actually do what I want to do. And so it would be easier not to. Yeah. I feel like a fraud a lot of times. And that's when I realized like, that's not, that's not a voice. That's not God's voice. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think um, in identity, that's like the first one I would say for me, that's just kind of exploring who we really are in Christ. And we all know so many verses. We've all heard all the things, but how do you actually obtain that and take hold of that and walk that out? I get caught up in my identity as you know, I'm a podcaster before that I'm a nurse or I'm a mom. And, and so just that, that's not my mm-hmm. identity, but I'm trying to take hold of really believing that that's not my identity. Right. Mm-hmm. And then for body, I think we all on some capacity struggle with food, food choices, either, you know, neglecting our bodies or obsessing over our bodies. And so finding how to struggle well in that. Um, I love my friend, Elisa has a ministry called Revelation Wellness. She's really benefited my life, just helping me see that there is, there is a connection between our bodies and the Lord. I think a lot of times, especially in the Western culture, we've kind of divorced those two. Um, and we don't, 
see that the way we treat our bodies actually does affect our ability to do the work God has laid out for us for, for the kingdom, you know? Anyway, so that's the body piece. Yeah. I have wanted to read her book because I heard her on Jamie Ivey, I think, and loved. Yeah, we recorded on the very same day. Her and I spent the day together in Austin um, after we did Jamie's podcast. That's awesome. Yeah. She's lovely. And her book is so good. Okay. Well, I'm going to put it on my, I wonder if it's, does she have an audible of it? You know, that's a good question. I don't know. She, I'm an instructor for her and, and instructors take people through the book, like in a book study type of way. And there's like additional resources you get when you, when yeah. you do that. So, so that's really fun. Um, so that'd be kind of the body type stuff and family, obviously, you know, stuff with your kids, how to, how to parent well, how to love your husband. Well, what does that look like? All that kind of stuff. And then community, I have been blessed to live in a a neighborhood where me and my neighbors love each other. We spend so much time together. They're like my best friends. And so what does that look like? How do you, how do you, you know, with outreach to your neighbors who don't know the Lord or how do you balance that? How do you, all that kind of stuff. And there's, you know, on Instagram, it feels, it seems like my neighbors are like perfect and we're all perfect and we never have problems. We totally have problems, but we work those out. And so I've had them on the show to talk about conflict resolution and how did we make that work? Mm-hmm. Cause we're all very different. You know, and then sanctuary, your home. I I tend to want my home to be not that it's perfect like a museum, but I want everybody's stuff picked the heck up. Yeah. And don't you run your sword down my wall when you're walking? I'm like, you know, <laughs> yes. Like, I don't I don't know. So just how to make it a sanctuary, not just for me, but for my family. How can they all feel loved and safe and welcome um and restful at home? And how do you do that when my daughter feels at rest when she's got everything out, you know, and she's having a snack and laying on top of all of her clean laundry. Well, that breaks my heart. That makes me so sad (laughs) to see things like that, but that's what she loves. So how do you kind of work out all of that and have everyone have a sanctuary? Mm -hmm. And then spirituality, how do you, you know, how do you struggle well with the Lord when you know he's perfect and you're very sure that you're not? And how do you not run away from him? (sighs) Or how do you be honest with the things that you're struggling with and and not just want to give up. How do you stay in the game? Like you said, like we can't just sit around and be like, this is so hard. I'm the worst. You yeah. too. Awesome. Let's just continue on in that. That's not, I mean, the Bible tells us so many times, excel, excel still more. We can do a better job, not to beat ourselves up, but to honor God with even small changes. Yeah. I love that. Those are all helpful areas for sure. How do you struggle well? Like, what does that mean to you in your own life? And I know you just said, you know, I don't feel qualified. I feel disqualified. But I would imagine that you are just like every other mom who is, who knows the Lord, that we all feel that way, like all, all the time. I mean, I mean, just this morning, for instance, I had two episodes with my almost four-year-old where I was like, this is going to result in some pretty serious discipline because she was just... Mm-hmm mouthing off like she was arguing over and over and I the first time I was I was about to kind of escalate it to the next level and then I was like okay this is an opportunity for me to really get at her heart instead of you know kind of like the the punishment side of discipline I was like maybe if she hears me here this will really you know be impactful and and it seemed like she was still at a place where she could and so had this conversation I helped her pray to Jesus for help and having a better attitude and I was like great. Like mom win, huge parenting win. This felt, felt really good. It felt like, like Instagram post worthy, you know, of like, I, that's, that's how I felt about it. You know, I felt like, okay, like I I made the right call and, and it seems like it worked well. Thank you, God. And, 
But then, you know, an, a couple hours later, she was messing around in the bathroom and the two-year-old got her leg stuck under a step stool, was crying. And I had told them to come out. So I was frustrated and I pulled them both out of the bathroom. It's like, this is why I told you not to play in the bathroom. And they walked out and the older one goes, mom is mean. And I was like, mm. <laughs> that just was like, that just sent me over the edge. And that's actually the mm-hmm. first time she's ever said that to me mm-hmm. or about me. And so, and that it did make me mad, of course. Um, especially after I just like take them on this nice little outing and got them little fun coloring books. And it's just like, I'm not mean, you're mean because you're disobeying me. (laughs) And so, and at that moment, like I, I did like lash out in anger and I did discipline her after I calmed down and had that conversation with her. Like, we don't say mommy's mean. Here's why I was frustrated. You disobeyed and, you know, walking through all the steps and can you understand that? But I almost feel like as soon as that all happened, I was like, felt like it was God putting me back where I belonged instead Mm -hmm. of feeling like prideful or proud in my ability to parent, putting me back and like, you still need to ask for forgiveness too. Like you walked her through this prayer of asking for help and you need to ask for help too. And I was just like, yep, that, thank goodness I didn't say anything about that in the internet because, you know, (laughs) it probably would have been even worse. That's funny. I remember one day I was sitting, um, coloring with my kids and I was like because that's not my favorite I mean I like it I always like it when I sit down but the thought of like I'm gonna stop all the things that really need to be done so I can color I'm like yeah Mm -hmm. anyway I was sitting coloring and I was like not literally but basically patting myself on the back like I am nailing this motherhood thing look at me coloring with my kids and then my son my son's like I met the nicest neighbor I said you did that's so cool when were you on a walk with your dad? He goes, she's like, he's like, no. And he was, he was three at the time. He's like, no, I was outside. Just met the nicest neighbor. I was like, were you in the backyard? And he was like looking through the fence or like, what are you talking about? No, he just had wandered around the neighborhood, just walking around the alley, meeting people three years old and just found his way back in the house. And I didn't even know he left. And then we're sitting down coloring and I'm thinking, I am killing this. Oh my gosh. And I find out he's just like out and about. I don't yeah. even know. So I think, yeah, anytime <laughs> we start to think we're doing good at motherhood, mm-hmm. we're about to lose one of our kids or <laughs> we're right. about to light on fire that we didn't realize. We oh. God has a sense of humor for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess I started that whole thing with saying like, how do you struggle well? Because I feel like I don't know how, I don't know if there's any well part of, of my scenario this morning that was really felt well at all. It was just, a, just a struggle. I thought I was doing well and then apparently I wasn't. So, well, you know, but then you, you took a step back and you calmed down before you got angry. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that that's the well, I think I, for me, it's looking for, looking for the well, <laughs> instead of just seeing it as a struggle. I think if you think of it like a spectrum, we all, we were talking about personalities before we all come from so many different ends of all of the spectrums, but in the middle is, so if you think things are going bad on one side and then things are going good on one side, well, in the middle is real life where there is a struggle, but we can make the best of it. Right. And so for me, I tend towards the negative it's whatever, wherever we, the ditch we fall into on a regular basis, it's coming towards the middle, coming towards the center out of whatever ditch we fall into. So I just think I'm kind of all or nothing. So if I take them to the zoo and then they're bickering on the way home, I'm like, that's it. This day was the worst. Well, it really wasn't the worst. Mm-hmm. So, so it's kind of like finding those, the gems or finding the nuggets of what did go well. And mm-hmm. then kind of reframing that, that kind of helps me. Um, Because I tend to be negative or I have a friend who's so in the moment, she is 
like literally sucks the marrow out of life. She loves it, loves it, loves it. But she always tends to feel like she didn't do enough. So for her, struggling well would be looking at all she has done and being proud of herself, you know? So I think it looks different for everybody, depending on the area that you kind of struggle. (laughs) Yeah. What your particular brand of difficulty is. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm really hard on myself. So if I sit down and like watch a TV show instead of do all the laundry in the house and then I'm incredibly tired and stressed out, that to me is struggling well because I took a stinking break for a second. Yeah, that's good. I'm listening to Christine Kane's book, Unexpected, the new one. And she talks about something that when you were talking just reminded me, she was talking about a really hard situation that someone was going through, an unexpected situation that they were really struggling in. And they found that they were asking God the question, why is this happening over and over? Why God? And that question, they couldn't answer it. They couldn't answer that question. It didn't feel like there was an answer for the why. And then something kind of happened in, in a, a shift in their you know, perspective of that situation where they realized that they needed to stop asking why and start asking, where are you in this? So instead of why, where? Where are you in this, God? Where can I see Jesus in this, in this struggle, in this situation, and in this challenge? And I feel like that's kind of what you're saying is instead of just saying like, why is it so hard? Or why is parenting hard? Or, you know, or, or business or, you know, doing this work that I feel called to do, but sometimes don't feel equipped to do or don't want to do. Why me? Why am I doing this? Instead of asking that, flipping that, flipping the conversation and and asking, well, where is Jesus in this? And where, where can I find him in this? And is it in Mm -hmm. the fact that I feel not enough and that I feel insufficient? And so I have to rely on him. And that's exactly why he's calling me to it. You know, and it feels so weird. I feel embarrassed that it took me this long to do it. But when I felt called to do something to encourage women, I didn't know what that looked like or how, but it wouldn't go away. So I felt like I was supposed to. Um, And I think that God has given me ability to say things that are hard, but with a lightheartedness about it, where I think some people won't talk about hard things Mm -hmm. or they do talk about hard things. And then it's just so heavy and dark all the time. And we just can't stay there all the time. Yeah. It's not good for us. I don't think, Um, but it's also not good to pretend like everything's fine. So I knew I needed to do something. I knew he was asking me to, but I didn't know what. And so for a long time, I just kind of slogged through it and kind of just tried to figure it out on my own. But then I actually just started saying, okay, Lord, this is something you put on my heart. What's next? Like, what's just the one next step? And it felt kind of silly because it almost felt like a hobby that I'm like, Lord, direct me in my hobby. It just seemed like Mm -hmm. he's got bigger, bigger things to deal with. But he literally helped me every step of the way know what was next. And so it helped me remember like he... He cares about my podcast. He cares about our, you know, branding and he cares about not that we need to be afraid that we're going to mess it up, but that he obviously there's wiggle room and there's freedom in there, but we need to talk to him about it. Talk to him about our parenting, talk to him about our, you know, marriages, but also we can talk to him about our businesses and just ask for wisdom. Yeah. Ask for doors to shut. Yeah, that's good. So what would you say to the woman who does feel like she's just plain struggling and isn't doing that well? Like what, what is your advice? You know, something I think is helpful is to ask sometimes when I get really kind of turned around and confused, I don't know, you can, you can start to not know which end is up and then you don't even know where to start or what to change, or maybe everything needs to change, or maybe just one thing needs to change. Maybe you need to not be on the PTA, or maybe you need to you know, make less meals from scratch, you know, maybe just, Mm -hmm. it could be one small change that would take so much pressure off. Um, I always know when, when friends I've met are starting to really know me when they say, my goodness, you're really hard on yourself. 
And then I go, yes, now you, now, you know, Emily Thomas. And so it's having people say like, just speak into that and asking them like, here's my situation. I'm blessed to be part of a church that is really big on community. Mm-hmm. And so we, we have to be part of membership is being in a community group. And if you're not going to be in community with people, they love you, but you can't be a member at that church because they find that, you know, iron sharpens iron and rubbing up against other personalities in conflict and learning how to resolve conflict. Well, that is where you grow a lot of where you grow. And so when I am stressed out, like my community group girls, I just took all of July off of my podcast. And it was because my girls in community were like, we love you. You've gotten off track. You are not prioritizing, you know, relationships with people that you, you know, in your real life. And we need to see your planner and we are going to cut some stuff out. And that feels, (laughs) you know, we're so independent in our culture. And like we talked about, there's like no absolute truth anymore, you know, and all this stuff that is complete baloney, but we don't want people in our business. And so to give them my planner and give them the ability to cut things out, it was really good, really need that in my life. So I would just say, humble yourself and go to the person you trust and say, I want you to speak into this, like not in a way that is like super kind to where I don't get anything, but like be very honest. That's that's really good advice. That's really hard advice. It's you know it's good because it feels uncomfortable and because it is kind of the exact model that the Bible has given us for accountability and like you said iron sharpening iron and and you know he's given us so many things to help us in our walk and in our lives on this earth and it's mm-hmm. you know obviously his word is number 1 but he gives us each other and he gives us community and I love that your church makes a big deal of that. Ours does as well. It's really, it's really hard. Like community is not easy. Like when you say that word, like kind of on the face of it, it sounds and feels like kind of a a warm, fuzzy thing. Right. But when it comes down to it, it's like, just because you have a community doesn't mean like you get along hundred percent with everyone or that everyone's your best friend or that you aren't like, you know, tonight I would just rather watch Netflix and zone out and not have to talk about hard things or not have to hear about your life. You know I mean? There are, yeah, that's all part of it. Totally. Yeah. It can get really ugly sometimes. In fact, we have like a, a night for community groups at the church once a year. And, um, they always make up funny country songs about how terrible a community is and how, you know what I mean? Because they're just got to be honest about like, we're asking you to do this thing and it's super hard. Yeah. But that's why we're asking you to do that. We grow under tension. That's why weightlifters get stronger, right? They're lifting weights. And so in our walk with the Lord and in our just character development, we, we have to have some tension. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's that. Yeah, that's great advice. So who or, or what has been most influential in your own walk? Like I, I'm hearing a lot of the community piece for sure. Yeah. Like what other what other players in your life are pushing you onwards and upwards? You know, I, I've already mentioned Elisa Keaton, but her um, ministry and her friendship has been so uh, pivotal to me because I do have a lot of kind of hate towards myself with my body. I'm a perfectionist and I do not have a perfect body. <laughs> and I could if I quit eating so much guacamole, but I just have a hard time stopping. <laughs> guacamole. <laughs> I know. It's so, there could be worse things, but you know, whatever. Hey, it's a healthy fat. It's a healthy fat. Uh, not in the quantities that I consume it. <laughs> Anyway, so the, her, but then also, and it sounds so cheesy, but my husband is so patient and kind with me and has just really embodied for me that kindness that leads you to repentance, right? Like, I, I don't know. He's just such a good man. And I was married. You, you know, you 
you said you listened to me on Jamie Ivey's podcast, but I was married for four months when I was 21 to a really abusive guy. And so it's been almost 20 years since that happened, but I'm still so thankful that I married such a kind man. When I lock my keys in the car, which happens a lot, he just, you know what I mean? Like he just is steady and Mm -hmm. that has helped me see um, the character of God in a way that I didn't grow up around my dad and, um, or, you know, what I did see wasn't positive. And so that really affects, you know, our, our concept of God. And so it's really helped me to see him, especially parent my kids. It's just been really redemptive in my life. Yeah, totally. Can you share a little about what, like how that all happened, but maybe go back to like how you kind of came to faith and you were a believer at the time. Oh yeah. Just like a super dumb one, you know, and our brains aren't even like fully formed until we're like 25. So no, totally. I was not all the way formed when I made that choice, but I think I, uh, I went ahead and again, being a perfectionist, I thought once you finish a four-year degree, you need to get married. And I was about to graduate, but I didn't have a boyfriend. And so for me, I was raised by a single mom and things were hard. And so I thought I was convinced that a man would help that. Mm-hmm. Well, how about don't become a single mom? And then, you know, I mean, but I didn't think about that. I just think I, I thought I needed a husband to be complete. And so, yeah, I married a guy. He was absolutely beautiful, completely charming. Um, we moved to his country and he was a hundred percent different than the way he was before we got married. And so I just had to like, I was only allowed to leave the house when I was going to work. And so it was before cell phones. Well, he had a cell phone. I just wasn't allowed a cell phone. It was textbook abusive, um, relationship. And so I just had to like escape, um, in the middle of the night and leave the country. And I, and, but I was so against divorce because I really wanted to please God. And I didn't understand his heart. I understood the law part of it. I was very legalistic and I really didn't want to be, I w- honestly, I was praying that one of us would die because I wasn't going to be, it was not okay with me to be a divorced Christian mm-hmm. woman. Cause to me, that wasn't, those things couldn't exist. I felt like if you got divorced, it was just because you didn't care um, about God or about, you know, your covenant, your word meant nothing to you. Like, yeah, you know, like a 20 year old would think, but, and then also just being perfectionist, I felt like that, that would not um, jive with my idea of what is right. And so, um, yeah, I actually had a friend who I really respected call me at work because I didn't have a phone any other time and said that divorce is not you know, something God can't forgive. So that's, um, that got me thinking, you know what? And so like the next day I left because things were really escalating quickly. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how that, how that happened. And then you met your husband now, how much longer after you moved back to the US? Gosh, I, mean, I think like three years I told God, I'm like, okay, I tried the marriage thing. I'm totally fine. Never getting married again. And I didn't think that I would, and I was fine with it. And then I met my husband and he was just so sweet and we were uh, friends for like a year. And so that's kind of that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Redeeming love. Francine Rivers. <laughs> totally. I read that book. Yeah. I love that book. Yeah. Well, I think that's really, I think that's what is really cool about your story is that even as, as silly as it may sound, I'm not to simple oversimplify it, but it is God like breaking down even your own ideas of what perfectionism you need to be pursuing in your life. Like the idea that like, oh, I, I can't leave this abusive man because divorce is not allowed in the Bible, you know? And and just even to the to that extent, it's like you said, like seeing his heart for you was yeah. good. And he that yeah. wasn't his best for you. And there was like grace for the mistake. And not just grace and like, okay, you're okay. I forgave you, but actually something way better. Yeah. Which yes. is awesome. And then I think for years though, I kind of thought 
he wasn't going to use me and he couldn't use me. And um, I was kind of allowed to be around, but not mm. welcomed in by any stretch. But something that he did, um, it, it was so sweet. It was a couple years later. Um, my husband and I, my current husband and I were married. And um, so I don't know, maybe it was five years later. And it was on the day of my divorce. And that was always a day that I just kind of, for me, was like, this is this is the anniversary of when God couldn't use me anymore. Because also I was going, I was attending with my first husband. I was attending a church that was very legalistic. And they told me, you can't get divorced. You just go back to him. Just, you know, wow. so, so I got advised by the Christians in my life to stay. And so I was, we were overseas serving um, as missionaries. And again, I was going to go because my husband wanted to go, but I was kind of just going because he wanted to go. I didn't think God would use me because of my divorce. I just had already decided it was over for me. But on the anniversary of my divorce becoming final, I led a girl to the Lord for the first time. And I just thought, God, it's so sweet just to, because that's not a day that anybody else remembers, but it, it was a really big deal to me. And he even just showed me again, like, no, I'm, I'm redeeming this. This is not, you made up the fact that you're, you can't be used anymore. <laughs> that wasn't something I said. Yeah. <laughs> you that's, made that up. That's so beautiful. And I feel like uh, he does that with us more than we even are, are aware of or willing to recognize often because we disqualify ourselves, you know, and, th- and maybe that's what kind of is at the heart of this is like that idea of being disqualified. And Paul says, I know he talks about that and now I can't even quote the exact verse, but it's like your sin doesn't disqualify you because Jesus qualifies you like for mm-hmm. this calling, like you are called. And if you are called, then you will be brought all the way to glory. Like you're not going to stop yourself. Like you, it's mm-hmm. making, a, it's making ourselves the center of the universe. You know, if we say like, sorry, God, I'm like, I messed up too big for you this time. Like you, you yeah. won't be able to re- redeem this one. Just try. And, and I think he welcomes the challenge and is just like, watch me work. I mean, he's not afraid of that. It doesn't, phase him, (laughs) which is awesome. So let's talk about your kids. How did you, how did you welcomed your kids through adoption? When, how old are they? And when did you guys do that? And what was that journey like? Okay. Uh, My daughter was two. And when she came to live with us, she was our foster kid. And then my son was like an infant, a couple days old and he, they're four years apart. So how old are they now? 10 and six. Okay. Fun. Yeah. What's that relationship like with four years gap? Is are they like do they play well together at this age? Yeah, they really do. That's great. Um, I think it could be. Obviously, it would be possibly nicer if they were closer together um, in age, but I didn't have control over that. And it's fine. I mean, honestly, it's all they know. It's all I know, so it's fine. Just this morning, um, they were do making stuff up with different, you know, Harry Potter wands and stuff. They have these mystery wands you can buy for like $15 at Walmart. Mm-hmm. We got them yesterday. They, they've spent all their allowance on it. And, oh, um, nice. But you don't know what you're going to get, right? And I think oh, my okay. son thought he wanted a certain wand. And so that's what would be in the box, even though right. it clearly says mystery wand. Well, of course he got Hermione, the girl's wand. And he was, <laughs> he cried all day. And I was like, but that's the, the part of that's You bought the mystery, you know, and before yeah. I knew about it, I was like talking to him about how, why that's a gamble. That's why we don't gamble. That's why yeah. we, you know, and all of a sudden it turned into like a anti Las Vegas lecture. And I was like, <laughs> what is even happening? <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So we had that and they and they were doing good and he's trying to make the best of a girl's wand. But 
they were playing a lot this morning too. That's awesome. Those those toys, I love and hate them because they are really fun. Even as a parent, you're like, oh, guys, it's a surprise. It's going to be so fun. And then uh, inevitably, you know, there's a picture on the little trolls package of all the trolls that you could get, but they want the one and it's not the one. It's the crappy troll that nobody wants. You know, <laughs> and it's like, it's so much nicer if you're buying like a pack of cards and you can see what, but like a $15 wand, you get the yeah. one. You, like he saved so much for that money. Oh, that's, that's so gone. <laughs> he sad. got the girl wand. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Exercise in humility. Seriously. Well, Emily, I'm going to ask you the three questions that I ask every guest. So okay. what is your best productivity or efficiency tip for, for moms? Like what helps you kind of just get through life on a weekly basis? I really like working in batches. That helps me. What I've been doing lately that I've enjoyed is making all my food on Sunday night. Mm -hmm. I've been shopping. You know, Walmart has free grocery pickup because mm -hmm. I'm cheap and I don't want to go shopping, but I also don't want to pay for someone else to shop for me. So um, I've been doing on Saturday night. I've been ordering all my meals like just ordering because I make one breakfast, one lunch and one dinner and then just put it in portion it to be five of each. And then I have all my meals for the week, you know, the weekdays. That's been helping me because it's only three meals. Yeah. But then I know what I may eat for five days. So you don't get tired of the same thing? I mean, not really. For me, it's so good because I don't have to be feeling bad about what I ate because I know what I ate and I know that it's the right portion and I know that it's healthy. And yeah, that's kind of been helping clear up some space in my brain for other things. I like that. Yeah. Well, it is a daily stress and often at a point in the day for me where I'm like already kind of like having those thoughts of like, here's what I didn't get done yet. And now I have to go cook dinner. And yeah. And then and the kids don't be... want what I want anyway. Yeah. You know, we don't, they don't want the same thing. And so right. while I don't want to have a bunch of picky eaters, I also just don't feel like the battle of trying to make them love quinoa and seaweed. I just don't, I don't want to make them do that. Yeah. <laughs> because it's too hard for me. They'll yeah. eventually like seaweed and sushi or they won't. And I frankly think they'll survive no matter what. Either way. Right. Yeah. Totally. I love that. Um, what do you do for fun? I'm bad at this. I'm bad at remembering to have fun. I love, this is super lame, but I really like going thrift store shopping or like hmm. consignment. It's not lame. Well, I mean... Shopping yeah. is fun. It is fun, but I love a I love a bargain and I love secondhand because then I don't feel like I'm contributing to whatever's happening to the way things are made. Yeah, firsthand. So I like that. I love to go have coffee with my friends. That's super fun and very luxurious these days as well. Yes. Well, I get black coffee, so it's like a dollar fifty. Oh, I mean, just like even having time to go get, oh, you know, yeah, you're right. like to go out. If I'm like at coffee with a friend, like it must be a very special day because that's funny. Okay. So my kids are older though, and my husband works from home. And so I really have the ability to be like, all right guys, I'll see you later. And then I just go. It's I love it. amazing. That is amazing. I, my husband works from home in his last job more than he does now. Now he's just one day a week and it was, it was really good. But I also like with the age my kids are, since they're so hands-on and need so much, like they need help for everything in their life right now. I, I almost felt like I was resentful of the fact that he was home, but couldn't be there helping me with every single thing. So that was hard. And so actually him going to an office four days a week and being home just one day a week, I feel like helped me emotionally balance out a little because I, I was like, okay, he's gone. And when he's gone, I'm like, I'm happy to be doing what I'm doing. I'm not resentful. 
But when he was here, it was like, gosh, you're just right up there. And, you know, I wish I could be sitting in a quiet room on my computer, you know? So yes. I've had that conversation with my husband a lot. So yes, yes, I, it, it did, uh, it did help me. So yeah, to everything is a season. Yes. One of my, in my husband's office, there's like five windows. So one of the walls is all windows. And so we can see it from the backyard. So I would just look and be like, look at you, you little weasel. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Uh, oh man, the thoughts, the the hilarious <laughs> thoughts that come through your head. Um, so how do you rest? The again, perfectionist way. So Eight hours a night. <laughs> I actually do not have a problem sleeping. I sleep That's really, good. really well. Um, and I've actually started taking naps, which feels very luxurious. But again, my kids are lit, but I don't let them watch TV a whole ton. But if I'm taking a nap, they can. And so I do not hear a peep out of them. That's awesome. it's really nice. Yeah, I love that. Naps. Yeah. I'm not great at naps. I just, I think I wake up feeling more tired. What's the secret to taking a nap and not being more tired? Is that just a person thing, a person to person thing? This is something my husband taught me and I thought it was like baloney for a while, but he drinks a cup of coffee and then lays down and takes a nap. So by the time, like you're, so you're still tired, but by the time you wake up, it's kicked yeah. in and you can keep going. I, you're not the first person I've heard that from. And yeah. I did always think it was baloney. So, but you're, you, it works for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I never used to nap. I always thought that was just for like grandmas, but. <laughs> grandma's Emmy. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I, it's been so fun getting to know you a little better and thanks for sharing. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Where you're at and your story and where can people, um, find you online? The strugglewellproject.com or strugglewellproject on Instagram. It's still mom struggling well on Facebook because those jokers won't change it yet. <laughs> they won't let me, they're like, oh no, that's not, that's not the same thing. We can't uh, change it. <laughs> Like, okay, okay. Facebook, <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> I know. I'm going to, I'm going to have to talk to Mark Zuckerberg about that. We'll yeah. See. Yeah. Send him a little direct message. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, that's an Instagram thing. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, he owns both of them. So he, I know, he'll find you. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been awesome. You're welcome. All right. Well, have a great day and I'll talk to you later. That is all for today, guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad to have you here in this community, being a part of Kindled. And if you want to connect with me and other members of the community further, you can find me on Instagram at Kindled Podcast. And we have a Facebook group called Kindled Women. If you want to join, just go to kindledpodcast.com and click the green button at the top of the page that says join the community. So the topics that we talk about here on the show in a more um, you know, casual format, they're on that Facebook group. So go find us on there and I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks. Bye.